Here we go. The Earthbox Podcast. Welcome to the Earthbox Podcast. With 404. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. Why do you think communism doesn't work? I think it's too easily exploited. That's definitely true. I think... Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of examples throughout history. Most people just say, oh, just because, like, uh, uh, Phil Labonte, the lead singer of the heavy metal band All That Remains, is a member of the panel on uh, TimCast, one of my favorite podcasts. I rarely, oh, yeah. rarely miss an episode. One of his sort of uh, catchphrases or signature opinions is uh it always ends up with piles and piles of bodies and but there's never really a good explanation and certainly not coming out of academia but i know what's your what's your opinion on that why do you think communism tends to fail or result in people that say that it's not real communism. Well, this is the, it's the constant struggle, right? Because I, I have all of these crazy ideas about economic systems and, uh, you know, the ability of the human race to persist, like uh, Star Trek, the next generation. One yes. of my, one of my favorites, uh, m- definitely my most favorite in the, the, you know, the Star Trek universe and, you know, holds a special place in my heart. Cause I used to, uh, watch it with my grandma when I would, you know, visit her on the weekends. Uh, I she, did the exact same thing as a kid, by the way, may, with my grandma. May she rest in peace. But they have this, you know, uh, uh, in, 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 in one of the, the movies, uh, the one, I, I forget the name, First Contact. Star Trek, the, uh, Star Trek First Contact, the, the Hollywood film, he, uh, Picard, explains to Zephram Cochran, the guy that invented the warp drive, that in the year they come from, human beings aren't driven by material possessions. They're driven by, you know, desire to better the species and, and what a wonderful concept that is. Right, right. But I think that communism doesn't work because human beings need to have incentive. Yeah. And if you put human beings into a system where everything is provided, well, then they don't really have any incentive. And if, I mean, I, cause, cause I was thinking about this and, and wondering what a, what communism done right would look like, because that's always the argument from the young Marxists that come out of university. Well, communism just hasn't been done right. The Soviet Union did it wrong. And China doesn't actually have real communism. It's more like authoritarian capitalism. So I'm thinking to myself, what does communism actually look like? Yeah, well, I don't think we've seen anything close to it, really. I mean, it would, it would, I mean, what do you think it would look like? I mean, real communism looks like what they, what they say it looks like. You know, everyone 
plays their part. No one complains. Everything's given to people for free. Everyone lives in, you know, abject happiness. Uh, that is and, essentially and what real com. Yeah, and safety and this, that, and the other. So that is essentially what I believe real communism would look like. But let's say, for example, that's that's even achievable. Um, it seems more like a pipe dream than anything else. I think people put this thing up that it's such a great idea, but getting to that seems so much of an abject impossibility. And I and I look at it and I think, okay, so like what? I mean, arguing from this perspective that human beings need incentive. Yeah. What does a sort of uh, disincentivized, uh, like consumer landscape look like? Like without corporate competition, we would have one, uh, like one kind of phone. It would all be like an Apple iPhone. There would be no variety. It would be the same yeah. phone. As great or as shitty as it was, there would only be one phone. There would only be one uh, game console or, or only one medium for gaming. It would be, you know, probably PC. So Steam would, would dominate the, the gaming world. It, and on, on one hand, it would be great because there wouldn't be this dynamic of, of you know, back... There was this thing called the console wars, you know, back... 10 years ago or so where oh yeah i forgot about that xbox and playstation would go head to head and they would buy the exclusive rights to what they believed were going to be the great games that were coming out to try to uh bait the consumers into buying their console exclusively or or better yet both consoles and since this game only came out on that console, if you wanted to play it, you had to buy that console. And it, if all your friends bought that console, you had to buy that one because otherwise you wouldn't be able to game online with your friends. So there are positive aspects to the concept. But I think the reason that capitalism is better and maybe not the ideal system, I mean, obviously capitalism is just as flawed, if not more flawed than communism, is because people need incentives like wages mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, anything to drive them. Because I think we as human beings sort of have this inherent drive to create, m most of us. And I don't know yeah. if maybe that's... Or at least grow, at least grow with what they're doing. And, and, and the people that don't, the ones that aren't driven by, you know, whatever kind of internal motivation to, to achieve better things, even if it's just a better paycheck to mm. buy better things. There's also this, I mean, and it, it's, it's almost like the exclusive function of government to extract wealth from the population in the form of taxes. Yeah. And in your case, in the form of fines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell us, like, tell us well, about it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, insert typical UK joke. Do you have a license to enter this area? Um, That's actually you know, a thing? 
No, it's not. But I think that would make <laughs> a, such a good joke, though, wouldn't it? Like, oh do you have a license to enter this area? You really had me going. <laughs> but to be, I mean, to be fair, it's not far off because um, I didn't realize. I, I knew about the ULES, which is the ultra low emission zone in London, and I knew about the LES down there. It's been fairly well publicized. I had no idea that there was a low emission zone in Birmingham. Now, some people may know about Birmingham. It is an industrial city. Um, it's mostly well known for its large shopping mall. And I was going to go there for Christmas shopping. And I went there, not knowing that there was a les. Maybe there were signs. If there were signs, there weren't any charges put on the signs, which, by the way, isn't enforceable. Um, but anyways, I get a letter in the post saying that I've been caught driving my diesel truck, which doesn't comply with the low emissions zone, and I have to pay a fine for that. So, so how did they catch you? They have automated um, cameras on the highway. So they just got a photograph of your license plate? Right. How did they establish I, that you weren't supposed to be there? Because as soon as you enter that area, they take a photo of your number plate, they determine what kind of vehicle it is, and if it doesn't fall in line with um, the emissions, then they serve you a fine. You can pay to enter this area for £8 a day if you don't have a compliant vehicle. Um, but if you don't pay that fine, and by the way, they don't tell you, uh, oh, you have like 30 days to pay this thing, um, you just have to remember to do that, of which obviously I didn't because I wasn't aware. Then they send so you... Is, is there like a, like a toll booth? Like when you're, no. when you're driving nope. through, there's nowhere to like... No, 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 no. Pay your eight bucks? No, it's like there's a sign saying you're entering the low emission zone. Make sure to pay... What, what I know now, make sure to pay the fine by the end of the day. That, that's it. There's no tolls. There's no nothing. I know a lot of places in North America, like you don't have a lot of automated cameras you have to have like a police officer or something you know scanning for speeding and stuff like that um but here it's there's a lot of automated cameras for picking up you know various driving infractions like speeding red lights stop signs uh, and now if you want to enter a local town and your car isn't good enough now they can fine you for that and in london it's even worse you get the congestion charge which you get charged for even entering a zone not for for emissions but just because you're taking up traffic. space yeah so so basically i, I got a fine of 120 pounds uh, for that uh. um which yeah which which you know compared to the eight pound that i would pay just to enter the area 120 pounds seems like a pretty unbelievable markup that's more than 10 times the value of the total ticket um and so they've they've graciously allowed me to pay 60 pounds if i pay within 14 days of which i have done because i'm a realist yeah my you know my my, my ability to actually fight the, the the birmingham government even though birmingham council is bankrupt at the moment but the truck is in my company name, so I don't really want to enter some kind of civil battle uh, with my company. Um, that would not benefit me. It would only benefit them because they have unlimited resources unless I significantly fight them. But then I would have to obviously pay legal fees. Um, and isn't it and funny? You're, you're kind of funding both sides in that, that's in that regard. Like, 
That's the they're going to use the money that you've paid in taxes to fight yeah. against you paying this fine. Where did this yeah, all and, come and, from? I, I, you know, I can't, I, I don't, I don't even know. I know that the Birmingham Council put it in and apparently they did it because they wanted to solve some of the air quality issues within the town. They have since found out that the air quality has not really got that much better. And I can probably guess that's because they don't get the levels of traffic that London gets. You know, London has 19 million people there. So you can imagine the amount of traffic they get and can remove from a ULES. Um, and there's arguments about whether they should put it at all. But let's just say for science, if you take all the cars out of London that put out loads of carbon and compare that to the amount of cars you can take out of Birmingham, which is a much, much, much smaller place, you can imagine it would have much larger of an effect in London. So they've, they've seemingly found out that, you know, Birmingham is a poorer area, which doesn't have, you know, people can't afford the newer cars. So it's really pissed off a lot of people that live in Birmingham. It's pissed off a lot of people that want to go to Birmingham to do Christmas shopping or any shopping or just visit the town. And that includes me. Um, doesn't matter that I went to town and spent more than, you know, 100 quid on stuff that then gets taxed, right? That then goes back to the council anyways. So the best thing I can really do to get back at Birmingham is never go there again. Because if I don't spend my money there and if I convince other people not to spend my money there, then the amount of money they get from both the low emission zone and also from the taxes they get from businesses that work there will significantly decrease. So really the best thing I can do is not take them to court, pay the fine and then never go there again because they'll lose, you know, they'll, they'll lose, you know, a few grand over the next five years of, of me never going there. So. Well, and it, it's painting an interesting picture. Yeah. Of sort of the effort that the governments across the Western world are yeah. efforting to foist upon their citizenry. Yeah, it, it finally feels like, you know, it, it's an issue that's hitting home to real people. I know sometimes we talk about stuff on this program and, it, you know, it's a lot of shadowy stuff that governments might be doing, we might be uncovering. Um, but this is very much like a real world thing that are affecting real people every day. Like apparently 50,000 people a day pay that eight pound fine just to just to drive normally within their own town that they never used to have to do. It's It's not a... And they don't even reinvest the money. They, they, they use the money just to run the scheme because it's so expensive to run. So, yeah, it's sad. We live in a world where, I mean, today, I remember when I was, uh, when I, I refinanced my mortgage, my home loan, got like uh, 1% lower interest rate, which brought my monthly payment down like 300 bucks a month. It was great. And then I, I get a few calls from the mortgage company and they wanted to sell me more loan products. And I told them, man, like I, I don't, like the interest rates are shit. We're, we're getting, I mean, because this was after, you know, like we replaced our vehicles, we moved, a, we consolidated, 
some bills. We paid off some bills. And then I'm getting these calls from this lending company. Hey, we want to, would you be interested in this? Would you be interested in that? What about an adjustable rate? And I'm like, dude, are you kidding? I don't want any more loan products. Like the economy is shit. I'm pretty much maxed out now because we made all these economic moves to sort of try to limit the impact that the crashing economy would have on our day-to-day life. Yeah, it's very smart. And they are now, they, they're rolling out all over the place, not just in Birmingham. You got to buy an electric vehicle. Because yeah. I bet the Tesla yeah. owners in Birmingham don't have to worry about driving through the low emissions zones. And the people no, that, no. that live and work in Birmingham who ride a bike or walk from their flat to their job or work remotely don't have to worry about any of these issues. And I think that's the point. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really unfortunate that you didn't know that your vehicle wasn't compliant with our low emissions zone. That's really unfortunate. Why don't you take the pressure off of yourself and just uh, move, move into Birmingham and walk or, or bicycle everywhere? That's what we really want for you. What we really want for you is to reduce your environmental impacts. We need you to shrink your carbon footprint because uh, global warming and all of that nonsense. Yeah. What, what is your position on, on global warming? You think we're really, and I, I, I know I've asked you before, but it, it's been a few weeks. <laughs> has, has your opinion changed? Um, my, my opinion cha- has not significantly changed because my fundamental belief is that, you know, there is a equal or opposite, you know, reaction to any action and humans have at least, if you can accept the fact that humans have at least some effect around us, um, then there must be some reaction to that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say what that reaction is. I'm not a fucking climate scientist. But it, it, to me, it seems like a logical thing that if we burn lots of something, then something else is going gonna, is gonna to happen. And I that's also just, think that's that, just where I'm at. That we know that there is no, there's no real limit, at least once a company reaches a certain size. There's no real limit to what they will do or won't do to pad their bottom line. Oh, of course. So if that means spraying a bunch of carbon into the atmosphere to improve their profit margin, I mean, most of these companies already operate on a quarterly basis. Like, hey, we're going to do this. I mean, the, the, the company that I worked for shut all of the gas cards off company wide. Nobody can get gas today because the new quarter starts on Monday. So we're going to just just cut off everybody's gas card so nobody can spend that money company-wide. That adds up to, I mean, 
a significant sum, but just the oh, concept, yeah. the concept of we're going to do that because on paper it looks good. And then you take that business now, now, now take that business out of the West into India or China and it's, oh, hey, great. These CEOs are saying, well, now, now not only can we create, you know, triple or quadruple the, the carbon emissions that we could in, in our, you know, our country of origin. Well, now we can pay peanuts to our employees. But I think what's really going on here with these low emissions zones and the, the, the picture is really sort of, sort of coming into focus regarding mm-hmm. what our global over, overlords want for all of us, not just the West, but all of us. We feel the effects yeah. because we, we come from the West. But they want us all in these 15-minute cities is what they're called. And the, the concept of the 15-minute city is everything that you require keyword require is within 15 minutes walking or biking distance yeah from where you live and this was one of the parts of or this was one of the aspects of the covid pandemic if you would like to call it that was their ability to sort of focus group how this would, would, would work theoretically when they decide, okay, now it's time to shut down these, this, this rural operation. We want everybody to come into these cities. And, and, and one, one of the, the aspects of that, the sort of effort to incentivize people to sell their farm and move into the city at at least the way i've seen it in my area is that the public services have completely gone to shit oh yeah we just got uh six inches of snow and the city and the county and even the state couldn't seem to give a shit and the last time we got a snow snowstorm Somebody died in the ditch because the county wasn't making an effort to clear the snow and de-ice the roads. And then in the summertime, since there's no sort of effort, there's no effort from the forestry department to perform, uh, you know, their fuel reduction duties in the forest, you know, clear out all the dead branches oh yeah 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 and the fuel for the wildfires in the winter we're buried in snow and we have to risk our lives to travel down the road and then in the summertime the forests burn all summer long and we're choked with wildfire smoke oh fucking hell so if i were a governor or a mayor trying to encourage the rural population to move into the city. These are exactly the sorts of things that I would do. Oh, sorry. Can't afford it. And if I also, if, if I wanted to clear out the, the 
affluent or, or just just even the population that was able to pick up and move to a, a, a better town. Well, I would choke my town with crime and homelessness, which is exactly what's happening in the major mo- metropolitan centers all, all up and down the West Coast. And, and that's, that's another one of the things that happened during the COVID pandemic and, and the George Floyd riots. Yeah. These people moved in and just claimed blocks of, of city property and said, no, this is ours. This, this, we, we claim this. This is the, uh, the, cap, the, the Capitol Hill occupied protest, the CHOP, they called it. Oh, right. And then there is this was this thing in Seattle. Yeah. And then, and they, they did it and they tried to do it in a couple other places. Oh God. Which, I mean, the one in Seattle is the one that persisted the longest. It was the one that made the most headlines. It was the one that had an actual warlord walking around with a, a you know, semi-automatic ri- rifle. And big picture. What is that? I mean, for me. I look at that and I say, well, I'm never going to fucking Seattle again. Yeah, fuck that. I mean, I, I don't understand this notion that we should tolerate people like this. Like, we, we should not tolerate people that want to... Um, I'm all for revolution and I'm all for making, you know, reform, making things better. That's fine. But people that seem to just do nothing but other than just sow chaos within the, the, the social construct, that is not a constructive thing for society. It's an entirely deconstructive thing for society. They want to almost, you know, uh, come away from America. They want to, you know, I, I bet if they, they let them, they, they just write, right, we'll fucking make our own laws and we'll do our own thing in Seattle. And some, some libertarians will be thinking that is amazing. That is really amazing. But that's, that would be amazing in, in a place where you have a system that's ultimately better than what we have now. And what they had up there, as far as I'm aware, in Seattle was something that was so dangerous and so exploitative. And ultimately, you know, as we, as we saw, catastrophically failed, that you wouldn't want that to be your flagship anarcho-libertarian sort of like paradise. <laughs> yeah, there's, it, it, it's interesting that this, it, there seems to be this mentality of we have to make it worse so that then we can make it better. And that's what I think is, is coming through with the, the rampant crime. I mean, there are multiple documentaries made yeah. about what a shithole San Francisco is. I was just about to ask you on this. Can you please explain to our listeners what in the fuck is going on in San Francisco because I just watched a fantastic documentary by Channel 5 News on YouTube. That's the guy. Okay, so we're on the same page. But for people that don't know who Channel 5 is and what the fuck is going on in San Francisco, please explain to our listeners what is going on over there. Well, I think the biggest, probably the two biggest factors is that they, one being they changed the laws regarding uh, theft and shoplifting. If you take less than $950 in merchandise, it's only a misdemeanor offense. Couple that with 
defunding the police, which I just, I, I, doing my research over the last few days, I listened to an interview with the woman from uh, Urban Development in San Francisco. And she said that the police force is only staffed at 67, maybe it was 70. No, I think it was 67%. So if you go out and raid a bunch of shops for less than $950 per shop, well, then you have a police force in San Francisco that's only staffed at 67% who is going to come after you for a misdemeanor. And then you have the homeless situation. Your police force that's only staffed at 67% is going to be chasing homeless people off the streets all day long. Never mind the organized crime that no doubt exists, the drug trafficking that no doubt exists, immigrant crime, with a police force that's only staffed at 67%. Yeah. So maybe that's the biggest problem. And that was all born out of the COVID pandemic and the George Floyd riots. Like the, the one-two punch that crippled our society and allowed our radical Marxist politicians to seize the power that they're now wielding against us, in, in my opinion, to further this globalist. Uh, because if you wanted everyone that was able to move... To move out of your city, how would you do it without without going around and and you know full blown seizing people's property, you know fascist communist style? Well, you'd make it just unlivable. Crazy high taxes. I mean, if we're talking about California, crazy high taxes. Check rampant crime. Check rampant homelessness. Check terrible school systems. Check. And then throw it over, throw it over to London, where I mean, I don't, I, I feel like the self-respect of the English people and English government is exponentially greater than what it is in the United States. But you're, you're- I, 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 w- I would agree. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I would say, you know, London obviously is one of the most crime ridden places on on our little island but you know 19 million people live there which is approximately just under a third of our entire population so yes there are areas that are bad but you know for the most part you can visit london go to work do your thing and not see a single homeless person the place is really clean the public services run really, really well when they're not striking, but, you know, that's another thing altogether. But compared to San Francisco, where it is pretty much unavoidable, um, it's a completely different environment. And I think the leadership style is completely different uh, as well. Well, I feel like the, the reputation of a place like San Francisco, and by the way, London, 19 million people, god damn. Like, bro, I know, that's, right? That's huge. Like, that's, I mean, I'll cut you guys a little bit of slack. I mean, your, your law enforcement and, and your, your government, because 19 million people all in one place, that's intense. 
And that's, you know, uh, obviously going to lead to some problems. But I, I don't think you could fit. Yeah, like in comparison, you know, San Francisco is 800,000 people. Los Angeles is just under 4 million people. And Chicago is, you know, t- two and a half million people. So in London, in the greater London area, we've got 19 million people in one place. What is it? Yeah, it's serious. What is it in Mexico City? I Mexico City used to be the biggest. It's, it's gone back and forth. Nine million. No, no. Nine million. Oh. 22. Wait, it says, I, I got two different numbers here. Wikipedia says a nine million for the proper, the city proper, and then Greater Mexico City, twenty one million eight hundred four thousand okay. five hundred fifteen. So Mexico yeah, that, City, that, that, like a much better comparison, much better comparison. Yeah, because London is now, I would call the Greater London area. That, everyone classes that as London. You know, London isn't just you know where the banks are anymore. Um, right, and right. that's where the government views London because that's where all the ULEZ stuff is now. It's in the greater London area um, and just even a little bit outside that. Um, so, so yeah, a comparison to Mexico City, yeah, 22 million people. And if you think about it, like, you know, the if you look at London and compare it to Mexico City, y- y- you can see how, you know, our performance running a large urban area like that is much better. And it's, I, I would argue that you guys are probably a little bit ahead of us in terms, and maybe it's your government style. I, I know our American constitution gets in the way of a lot of the, the pipe dreams that the, the Marxists and our government and our institutions have for us. Yeah. Um, but I think once they've, it's, it's really interesting because San Francisco has just really devolved into a cesspit. And interestingly enough, when Emperor Xi came to visit, he went to San Francisco and they cleaned the whole thing up in two days. No, no homeless encampments along his route. They power washed the streets and the sidewalks. No way. There were people talking in interviews like, I, I, I couldn't believe how clean my shoes were after I, you know, walked the streets in these areas that they cleaned up. And what a slap in the face to the people that live there. Oh, yeah, for real. Like, you're only going to try when the fucking leader of another country visits and then just leave it a rot afterwards. Yeah. And then claim, oh, sorry, we, we can't do it. They, you know, their budget increased. The budget in San Francisco and the surrounding area, it, probably it's uh, a county, went from $10 billion in 2017 to $14 billion today. And literally none of the problems that, that, they, that the, politici- the politicians no doubt sold to the population. Oh, you just, you give us this extra funds in our budget and we're going to take care of these problems. None of those problems have been solved. In fact, yeah, the- and I think that's I think that's uh, replicated here. You know, we're seeing the highest tax burden for seventy years here in the UK. We're seeing all these schemes set up, low emission zones. You know, even stuff like parking fines are going up. You know, for parking, and it just seems like 
it just seems like all the government institutions are on the take and they can't really give us any added value for that. You know, I don't pe mind paying more for any service, as I'm sure many people at home will be feeling. I don't pe mind paying a little more if I'm going to get a bit more value out of it. And you have to ask yourself, if I'm paying more in tax or paying more just to do what I was doing before, how am I benefiting from this at all? You know, a low emissions zone, I may benefit from you know, the better air quality. But if I'm not even getting that, that's a pretty hard sell, as well as higher taxes. Because if you think about it, like um, most of the public uh, services we have in the UK have drastically reduced in value um, and they're charging more for it. Uh, so, and not m more for it in line with inflation, uh, you know, just, just straight up more. They're not moving anything. So we're paying more tax than we ever have done and getting the least return on our investment. So where do you think I that money is going? Yeah. Hey, mate, it's going on all these fucking useless projects that they do that aren't thought out. They're just like these political, <laughs> you know, fuddy-duddy fucking projects like the HS2 rail project that has been completely a massive crash and burn. We've got the fucking problem with the illegal immigrants coming over and they're just spunking shitloads of money on that as well. So it's all these shitty fucking plans as well as, okay, now this is a big one. Um, the welfare state in the UK is fucking massive at the moment. Since COVID, it has ballooned. And actually, that has been the cause of many of our local councils going bankrupt. Because the way it works here in the UK is the social benefits are not paid federally. They're paid from the council budget and they have a legal obligation to do so. So basically, if the amount of people going onto benefits goes up, then the amount of budget that the local council has to work and, and pay for other services goes down and they have to put themselves into debt and they have to put themselves into all kinds of positions because they have to pay, literally they have to support these people with social care and housing and food and this, that and the other. And it accounts, I believe the number at the moment, at my local council, it's about 80% of their budget goes on social support. Um, and you've got to ask yourself, that is an absolutely outrageous amount because they have to look after the roads. They have to look after, you know, safety of businesses. They have to look after business registrations. They have to look after um, hygiene. They have to look after, you know, uh, bin collection they have to look after all this stuff so i believe like a string of bad investments as well as an incredibly um uh unproductive population aging population and large welfare state is contributing to some of the worst top heavy economy type problems especially in the uk it might be different in the us because you guys have got way better productivity than us one of the craziest things i learned the other day is that our productivity as a nation is lower than basically most of the high-end European nations as well as the US. Our productivity is very, very, very bad um, because essentially what we have is we have some extremely good companies in London that are insanely pro productive. Um, their, their productivity is four and a half times 
more than the average. So they're basically carrying the entire country. And then most of the rest of the companies in the UK are these sort of zombie companies which don't really produce anything. They don't really produce any profit and they kind of just limp by where they can't pay very high wages. So we have a very, very sluggish economy here. We have people going onto welfare. We have people getting too old and need support. Um, and they want to tax us for that. So I don't know. You tell me, what does is, what is the situation look like in the US in terms of like people going onto social welfare, in terms of people exiting the workplace because they, they're going to go onto their pension? What are the stresses that you're seeing in the public space? Because here in the UK, the stress on the public um, uh infrastructure is massive and it doesn't seem like there's any real solution out of it. Well, it really feels like uh, everything is being pushed off onto the public. I mean, even, right. even when it comes to policing, like right. you, you, you see videos every day or you can find videos if, if you like. I don't really like. I try to scroll right past those as fast as I can. Somebody getting assaulted on the subway. <laughs> oh, oh, again. Here's another video of some be somebody being carjacked in, in broad daylight. Did you see that, that Channel 5? Uh, I mean, I just watched it in a clip. I don't know. He's got, dude, there's... I, I've watched the, I watched the entire thing in, in its entirety, yes. Did it have the, the clip where the guy gets his, uh, his Prius stolen? And it, yeah, and it's the very beginning. Yeah, they literally just got there. And it's running, it's running backwards down the road with the door open in broad daylight. Nobody gives a shit. No, no police officers to be seen. So you're, you're responsible for your own safety, 100%. Then uh, you're, oh, Christ, what was the, what was the other thing? <laughs> you're, you're responsible for your own safety. You're responsible for uh, maintaining your own roads, uh, plowing your own snow, uh, I mean, even providing education for your children. Like, yeah, you, you pay thousands and thousands of dollars in taxes every year, but you really can't rely on us to do anything about it. We won't even give your kids a decent education, basically, because, I mean, I don't know how it is in the UK. I would guess that it's similar. The oh, education yeah. system is based on the Prussian education system, which was basically designed to make the population smart enough and capable enough just to work in your factories. And that's basically where we're seeing the population go in the United States today because both parents have to work, especially in an economic climate like it is today. So you're fully reliant on the education system sponsored by the government to educate your child. And then they go off to university, in theory, taking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt upon themselves. Where they're further indoctrinated to what? To feel like they, they don't have to work, they, they shouldn't have to work. And this is one of the big... Uh, sort of arguments in favor of this mass immigration that's coming, which, which I think, as, and as we've mentioned before, has more to do with uh, keeping a viable population 
as as opposed to really having uh people to fill the jobs that need to be filled on on it's it's also because these major corporations since Donald Trump put these tariffs into effect like like that was one of the most horrific parts of the Donald Trump presidency to the globalist elite like oh no he's going to try to bring manufacturing back to the United States he's going to make us build our factories in the United States again or he's going to charge us massive tariffs on all the products that we want to import and sell back to the American population that we've deprived of jobs and he's also going to build a wall and strengthen border control so that all of the immigrants that come into the country won't be desperate enough to take the job that we offer them at at $5 an hour and and this made me think not not to keep kicking the dead immigration horse but i was thinking about slavery if you were a slave and this is just how i i mean this is basically Everything I've learned about being a slave from Django Unchained. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great movie, by the way. Yes. Oh, Christoph Waltz and, and Jamie Foxx. But Christoph Waltz is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I feel like he's starting to get underrated. Because really, you think so? He's so I'm, I'm, maybe he's more popular in the UK. But over here, he's just like, oh, the guy from Django. Oh, the, the guy oh, from, no. from In- Inglorious Bastards. It's not that anybody yeah, is, like, has anything bad to say about him. I mean, how could you have anything bad to say about Christoph Waltz? I mean, come on. The guy's a treasure. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I feel like he just doesn't get the respect that he deserves in the States. But they had this, there yeah. was this dynamic in that, in that movie. And, and we know for a fact that if you own slaves, you obviously had to care for those slaves and give them a place to live and right. feed them. And right. you, ju- you didn't pay them, of course. But what's worse? Working for someone who provides you food and lodging or working for someone that only pays you $5 an hour and then kicks you out at the end of the day. I mean, really is, I mean, I'm not trying to say which one is better. I'm just saying how different is the comparison? It would, and really, would it be better? It, were you an immigrant? Would you rather take a job on a ranch like Yellowstone where I'm, and I'm talking about the, the TV show with Kevin Costner. Like, I thought that was so cool though. The guy, I mean, although I did find myself wondering all those guys that worked on his ranch and, you know, basically supported his lifestyle. They all lived in the, you know, the house for the ranch hands, like the bunk house where there were like four bunks and they all kind of shared the same common space. And I wondered when I saw that, I was like, geez, I wonder how much he docks their wages in exchange for providing them this little house to share. Which is basically, I mean, the way that you see it on the TV show, just like one open room with four bunks and like a little kitchen space and they all have to, <laughs> Yeah, they, they're basically like, uh, I mean, I don't know, like a, a swingers couple or something and they have to all get along and they fight all the time. You know, it, it makes for great television. But I wonder, as an immigrant, would you 
prefer something like that or $5 an hour and see you later. Because these guys, you know, in, in, in Yellowstone, I mean, the ranch was far from town. So they just kind of lived on the ranch, were fed whatever they were fed. I mean, sure, they could go into town, but if you don't have, if, if all of your needs are met, what is your motivation to go anywhere? And that's kind of the whole idea of these 15-minute cities. You live, yeah, and work. What's, what's the appetite in the U- US for the 15-minute cities thing? Because I know it's been covered quite a lot here in the UK, and there's a lot of, you know, sort of globalist types that are really trying to push this thing forward. But what is the appetite in, in the US? Because well, in the US, we don't, they don't have the public transport and or the willingness to give up motor vehicles that, that we seemingly do. Well, it's, it's kind of like how we talked about on the, the last episode, five hours to drive from east to west across uh, Britain and eight hours for me to, you know, move one inch on the map to go from where I live to where my parents live. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and this is why I think that you're, I, I, I feel like the, the path, the course is set for the Western world in the minds of the globalist elite. The UK is much farther along. So you have ultra yeah. low emission zones where you get 120 quid fine for, you know, uh, attempting for, ha- <laughs> for having the audacity to drive, I know. To drive it's, your, absolutely, it's outrageous. Your diesel How vehicle. dare I fucking venture into a local town, a local shithole town, by the way. It's not even a nice one. Okay, it's not even a nice one. It's not even somewhere nice like Manchester or fucking anywhere else. You know, even, you know, Edinburgh doesn't even have a fucking low emission zone. And that place is really gorgeous. And Birmingham is an absolute dump. I will never be going there again. But it, yeah, I don't know. It, I feel like if they did a low emission zone, yeah, take that, Birmingham. And with that, I bankrupt the rest of your organization. I mean, they're really on the rocks. But well, and that, is, there, is, is there any talk in the US, you know, let's say a low emission zone in like LA or something? Well, is, there, is there anyone talking like that? Well, quickly, I, I mean, that's what you were getting at with your, your retribution against Birmingham. Like, that's on us too. Like, if we don't like it, we have to come up with our own means of, of pushing back against it. Like what happened with the whole Bud Light thing. Bud Light did what they wanted to do, and they only changed course when they realized, oh, shit, we're not selling any more beer. But you don't really have that kind of recourse against your politicians. I mean, what are you going to do? Stop paying your taxes? I mean, do you? Yeah, good luck. Do you even have the choice when your employer takes your income taxes straight out of your paycheck and your, you know, that your state and local taxes come out? Whenever you buy, you know, in the form of sales tax, whenever you buy anything, what's you then? So then in theory, you're supposed to go to the, uh, the voting booth, right. And, and vote out these politicians that are creating such a tragedy for you. But then you have to rely on the integrity of your elections. And we certainly don't need to kick that dead horse anymore. That to answer your question. Yes. 
there are several, actually two, but I don't know about appetite. I, I think the government and their puppet masters are creating these environments in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, because they want to move in the direction of the UK with, you know, the next step. Like, I think we're going to start seeing these, these low emissions zones. I mean, maybe not, but to me, it seems like the rational next step after they've cleared all of the riffraff out of these areas that they want, you know, because San Francisco is a jewel according to the rest of the world. You know, the, the people that don't realize it. And, and I, I would argue that there's people that live in California that don't know what a shithole San Francisco has become. I mean, you have to actively <laughs> search out this guy uh, with the, the YouTube channel. Uh, channel five is what it's called. To, to get the real on the street picture of what's really happening in San Francisco. So now for the second time, um, these Silicon Valley billionaires are conceptualizing their next 15 minute city called California forever. But it's the second one because back in, um, Oh God, I want to say it was it like, 2012 maybe they came up with uh why can't i think of it it's not white house mountain house mountain house california the uh suburban paradise where you can walk the streets and send your kids to good schools um they say it's about 60 miles from um San Francisco. So you've got probably a 90 minute commute if you want to live in Mountain House and work in San Francisco. So that was their first failure in Mountain House. Second failure being that the homes in Mountain House, California are about a million dollars each. <laughs> and and I think there's only Three for sale? No, not Rocky. Damn it, Zillow. I had it pulled up on my phone. I tried to use my computer. That's what I get, I guess, for trying to use For using technology. Yeah, yeah. that's what you get. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. Uh, four bedrooms, three bathrooms. Huge. 2,481 square feet. That's smaller than my house. Well, yeah, that is quite small. Ha, ha, ha. $928,888. Wow. And so, getting a mortgage now, what, what's that, you know, four or 5%? Oh my God. It, we got to find out. We got to find out what that. Yeah. Like what, what even, what even would that be like on a 30 year fix? That's got to be something pretty insane. Almost there. I'm just going to do 1 million. I mean, it's the same here in the UK. Like, so, you know, so, so even if you, if, if you could put the 20% down, 200,000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your monthly payment is close to, it's 2,640 a month. 
with seven wow, point, okay. with a seven point one four interest rate. Oh, that is fucking brutal. That's over double what I'm paying on my house. Seven point one is fucked. I bought and, it about five years ago. So you've got to be making minimum three times that a month, you know, to service that mortgage, you know, because then you got bills and you know such and such after that. So, you know, you you got to be making at least you know just just under ten thousand dollars a month you know minimum and that's exactly where i want our listeners to go like think about the feasibility of that okay yeah and that's after taxes too that's after taxes think about and 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 then your 90 minute commute to work every day yeah when your gas in california is six dollars a gallon or or you know who but if you work remotely if you walk and ride your bike everywhere that you need to go well then suddenly you can cut out a big part of your monthly financial responsibilities the average price of fuel in california oh not bad it's come down quite a bit 468 469 a gallon That's so cheap. One one thirty three per liter. That's kind of nice. I'm not a big fan of the break. One dollar one dollar per liter. One dollar thirty three per liter. Yeah, that is so cheap. <laughs> what is it in Canada? <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be. Uh, oh, uh, Canada's cheap too. You're gonna be a Canadian soon. Or do you consider yourself part Canadian because your your dad is? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, half my family's over there. So when I go over there, you know, it's like, it's just one of them, really. Um, and uh, let me just... One, uh, 141, 141 per liter. So really slightly more expensive, but still comparable. But that's Canadian dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is. So it's, it's about, yeah, it's about the same. Probably about the same. And much cheaper. Than, than oh, here in the UK. it is. It is cheaper. Yeah, it would be one twenty-one in U.S. dollars. There you go. Come to Canada and get fr- and get free gas. You know, it was so funny. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, wait a second. I went to Canada. I was like, holy shit, is that actually the gas price, like per liter? Because I looked at it, and I was like, wait, one sixty. Because I think it was like one sixty or something. And I was like, dude, that that's huge. And then I realized, oh shit, there's like seventy cents to one pound. So I'm like. No, it was it was it was one one dollar seventy cents to one pound. So I was like, oh shit, it's basically like a pound a liter. Um, which in the UK it is not a pound a liter. It's like one pound forty a liter. So I was saving forty pence every liter, which is crazy. You know, it's like it's that's like thirty percent off or something. Like it's a huge amount uh off on gas. You know, you can save thirty percent on your gas um and drive the same exact car. Well, when I fill up my truck, if it's real empty, it's over a hundred bucks. But I live and work or my, my my you know, my commute is about four minutes from where I from where I live to where I work. So I only have to fill up maybe once a month, once every six weeks, if I don't drive anywhere else. But if I had even a 30 minute commute to work, I would probably have to fill up, I mean, maybe more than once a week. 
So yeah. if you say 200 bucks a week, $800 a month, then add that to your $2,700 a month mortgage payments. Yeah, it's outrageous. You got to be looking for, you got to be looking for solutions to that issue. But the problem, the, the failure of this mountain house community in California is that there's not really anywhere to work. I mean, most, most of the people that live there work on work like for the school, like the elementary right. schools around there, like maybe they're administrators or principals or teachers. How do you afford a million dollar home on a teacher's salary? Yeah, this is one of the things that's happening in the UK as well. You get these communities of like extremely wealthy people that buy up all the houses for like some insane amount. And then they start complaining that like all the coffee shops and all the schools like start closing. And it's like, well, yeah, like you're all buying properties at like 1.4 million pounds, you know, per house. And you want someone to open a coffee shop down the road and get paid £3.20 per coffee or something. I mean, it's just outrageous that you can expect them to afford to live in the same area as the people that live there. Uh, so I don't really understand. I mean, this is going to come to a head, obviously, at some point. Like, the, econ the economics don't make sense. Yeah, and this well, is happening think, all over the country. I, I think the strategy from the leadership is going to be, okay, we can't get these people to move into a place like Mountain House because the houses are sprawling and they cost a million bucks each. So we'll just have to create a little miniature New York City with 500 square foot condos or even smaller. Have you seen the, um, I, I, I forget what it's called, but there's at least a concept for a city of sorts in Egypt or Saudi Arabia that's just it, it's it's like very narrow it's it's very like like the width of a like a, a street like a city street that stretches no, for I'm not, miles I'm not seeing this um all right I gotta find it it's called the line in Saudi Arabia 170 kilometers long structures that will house 9 million people has left architects aghast, including some in Israel calling it a science fiction jumble. It's another example of a 15 minute city and keeping these people contained. That's, and, and this is what spawns all the conspiracy theories and all the anti-conspiracy theory, uh, you know, publications. Don't worry. You're going to be able to move freely. You're just going to have to pay a fine if you drive your car into the wrong zone, right? No yeah, big deal. Yeah, it's completely bullshit because what, you're, <laughs> what, what they don't realize is that um, they're expecting that all the services will be exactly the same in their 50-minute area, and that is just not possible. Like, what if there's a really nice coffee shop at one end of the line, and everyone's like, oh, this coffee shop's so amazing, you can't fucking go there. It's 120, it's 170 k's away. How is that five minutes away? It, oh, you got to pay. Maybe they put a train down the middle or something. The reason why cities are like spherical or, or, or circular is because they, they grow from the middle, which is a hub. And then, you know, people sprawl out. It's a, it's a sprawl out. It, they don't make it in a fucking line because that's like really inefficient. It's a really inefficient way of, I don't know. The, the, whenever you get artificial uses 
of urban space like this, I feel like they always fall on their head. I, the idea of a 15-minute city is actually kind of cool, and it's actually kind of conservative in a way, because if you think about it, if you go way back to when you know, we were first settling you know, on these islands, Romans, you know, us going over to America and settling over there. It was basically the same thing. You know, you have your little village and everything is within the sort of village things. But it was organic the way they did that. You know, everyone settles here. Then someone comes up and says, ah, I'll build a little shop that sells this and I'll build this and I'll build that. You know, people didn't, people didn't live in one area and then build the post office like five miles away because that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Put it in the middle. But that, that, yeah, exactly. So it, I think what... What government needs to do is just get out the fucking way because they're fucking it up. Okay, these low emission zones are shit. They're not. A, 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 they're not doing anything other than just pissing people off. These fifteen minute cities are not going to work well in an artificial way because, especially in places like the UK, where the the cities themselves are older than the fucking government that that, that is trying to put them in place, um, and just let the economy do its thing. Make good public transport so people can get around the existing city and stop trying to reinvent the fucking wheel all the time. Like, well, we have been living on this earth for a long fucking time. We've made cities like New York. We've made cities like LA. We've made the great city of London. We've made, you know, it's not like we haven't done this shit before. Like, it's totally possible to do it. And when you see great urban environments like London, the things that they always have right is they have really good public services, so it makes it easy. London itself, I think, is a 15-minute city. I can go from one end go. of London to the other end of London in 15 minutes. And you know why I can do that? Because I can get on the tube and shoot over there. You can't do that in fucking Oxford. You get on the bus at one end, and within an hour, you're maybe maybe to the middle, and then another hour, you maybe make it to the outside. And the problem with that is, is the public transport sucks. And you're not going to walk it, this idea is, is just dead on arrival. You've got to do it organically. You've got, to, you've got to, as well, incentivize people to do something that they currently don't want to do. If it's easier still to get in your car and pay the fine to go somewhere, people are still going to do it. The reason I don't go to the train station, get on the train, and then go to Birmingham, which wouldn't cost me uh, you know, a less fine, is because it's more expensive than me paying the petrol to drive over there and still pay the fine. It's still cheaper than me going and paying for parking and then getting in my train and going over there. So you've got to think about it. Is, is, is this a regulatory problem or is this a infrastructure problem? And I think it's an infrastructure problem. You have to give people options to do what you want them to do. Otherwise, they're just not going to do it. Like you can't just artificially force people to live in a fucking line. Like, why would anyone do that? This is like science fiction, Black Mirror type shit. Well, like, the, no one's going to go, yes, I want to live in a giant line. The, the effort or, or the, the, the concept, the tactic, the strategy has been, and, and this, it's well known in the, the conspiracy community. If you want the people to do something that goes against their rights, you have to make the environment conducive to what you want your people to decide to do on their own. So basically, you got to make them beg for it, like the Patriot Act post 9-11. The American people were terrified of terrorism. They were very patriotic because we'd just been attacked by a foreign power. And we begged the government to 
save us from the scourge of terrorism with the complicit media, you know, creating the narrative to strike fear into the hearts of the public, just like what happened with the COVID pandemic. The mainstream media gets everyone all spun up, terrified, so that we're then fighting amongst each other, um, amongst ourselves. Put your mask on. Go get vaccinated. What the hell's wrong with you? You, you're so selfish. You want to kill grandma. All of that rhetoric came out of the mainstream media. In an effort, it's like with school shootings. Whether you believe that they are allowed to happen by the intelligence services that work for the powers that wish to see the American public disarmed, or you believe they're largely organic by mentally ill people that have been turned psychotic by the pharmaceuticals that they're taking for these mental illnesses. The effort is being made through the media to create an environment where we beg the government to protect us from the scourge of weapons. And you get enough people saying, please protect us, Mr. President, from the scourge of the Second Amendment. Then they can take the Second Amendment away and the backlash is severely minimized. So if you make the crime and the homelessness and the drug use and wait for it, the disease to become so bad in the neighborhood that you live, you say, please, please, please let me move into California forever. Let's read a, let's read a little bit from their, the, the website, the official website, California Forever, front page. Yes, please. California Forever was created to bring back the California dream. Mm, doesn't that sound nice? Wow. Black and white movies and Hollywood sign. <laughs> we, we want sign to me do up. that by building a new community solar farms, and a green belt of agriculture and habitat on approximately 60,000 acres of non-prime rangeland we purchased in eastern Solano County. Doing so would bring thousands of good-paying jobs, subjective, How? new paths to middle-class home ownership in safe, walkable neighborhoods, new sources of clean energy, and stronger county tax base to fund essential services for every resident of Solano County. How the fuck are they going to do that? Jesus Christ. It, is, it sounds like a fucking marketing department put this together. Oh, for sure. Rather than, yeah, like, and I think this opens up, really, what is a culture of corner cutting in the Western society that I think is going to be so endemic. We are not prepared in the Western society at the moment to actually do what needs to be done and just go back to fucking basics here. It is not difficult to build more homes for citizens and it's not difficult to build good public services. It fucking isn't. But again, you're talking about now California forever. Let's come up with this new idea. Let's reinvent the wheel. Let's do a green city with solar farms and this, that, and the other, and agriculture and this, that. What? You're just going to invent somewhere where people come over and then the jobs magically appear and it's all going to be green and fun and yay and, you know, sunshine and gumdrops and all this, you know, bullshit. This is corner cutting. We already have amazing cities in America. Yes. 
They just need to be fixed. We yes. just need to go back to basics and do what we do best. In the Western world, we are fucking awesome at technology and travel and all this stuff. And they want to throw all that shit away and say, right, we're going to do something different. No, I say no. I say no. We already do some shit really, really well. We've just let our stuff, you know, because we're not very good at maintaining things in the, very, in the Western world. Neither is China, to be fair, but... <laughs> we do we just we just need to fix what we already have and that's that's going to be more than good enough you know and that and this comes into you know into large companies as well are cutting corners you know you're seeing what's happened with Boeing with this new plane that they have and the last planes they had they're they're cutting corners and and shit's happening and i think this is an endemic problem an endemic problem which we just need to if if companies are going to cut corners right we shouldn't support them. And if governments are going to cut corners, we shouldn't support them either. Uh, this whole idea that we just kind of let them get by, oh, I'll just bail them out a little bit here, and the banks kind of go, oh, we'll give you a bit more money so you can keep going. I, I say no. I say no. If companies want to toe the line and be profitable and productive and be like good old school companies did and focus on actually generating serious wealth for themselves and their employees, I say great. And if government wants to go back to basics and focus on really strong public institutions that serve their constituents very well, I say that's fantastic. But if we want to get fucking confused and, and, and spend a shitload of money on California Forever or this stupid line thing or these low emission fucking 15 minute cities, this is just a waste of fucking time for the human race. And this is a waste of of money in my opinion a waste a complete waste well i want to know what level of influence like like what what is the politics going to be like in in california forever there there let, let's read a little bit from this article uh from the napa valley register uh in late august the new york times revealed that flannery associates represented a group of silicon valley billionaires that includes the venture capital giant Mark Andreessen, Stripe co-founders Patrick and John Collison, LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman, and Laureen Powell Jobs, the widow of Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. Operating under the parent company California Forever, they've spent more than $800 million buying up over 50,000 acres in Solano County. Frustrated by the slow pace of housing development in existing cities, so that's development laws, development boundaries, you know, government regulations. These Silicon Valley Leviathans plan to create a new one from scratch over the coming decades. Quote, we're looking to build a middle-class community, says California Forever founder and CEO Jan Shramack, a former Goldman Sachs trader. The group targeted Solano, one of the poorest counties in the region because of its proximity to the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, and the belief that locals would be swayed by the promise of more resources. Quote, we can't think of a better site or a better location. The California Forever website promises, quote, good paying local jobs, new employers and better schools thanks to more tax dollars. Well, where, where are they going to get those tax dollars? Yeah, they are fucking liars. They're all tech people okay the only thing they give a shit about is power and fucking data so let's be honest right anyone that's going to go live in one of these 15 minute fucking whatever these tech things and this gets me really pissed off yeah okay, it's because th they're going to use those people that live there for fucking training data on ai and machine 
learning models. How do these people move in? What do they do for jobs? Where do they go to school? This and the other. And it'll all be under their fucking control because they will have this private estate, like the world's largest HOA. You know, they will have complete access to all this data. Why do you think they're spending so much fucking money? Because they think they really give a shit about the, oh, the slow moving, you know, housing developments in California. I'm sorry. You guys are fucking billionaires. All it takes is for you guys to lobby the Californian government a little bit and you can get all the houses that you built in the world. You can get as many houses as you like built in California if you fucking want to. All you have to do is just lobby the fucking government because you've got infinite amounts of money. That's very easy. This is about control and this is about access to real life data. This is about access to health data so they can sell health um, solutions. Let's make no mistake, you know, people that have worked at places like LinkedIn and Stripe and other technology companies, they're thinking about, you know, that amazing, you know, real gold, uh, golden nugget that's going to be health data and, you know, these health sort of uh, GPTs and right. assistants and watches and stuff. They are looking to generate a community which they can study for data. That is my theory on this, because I don't understand why any tech person would consider themselves suddenly a massive philanthropist or whatever that fucking word is <laughs> and wants to, you know, make this like amazing community. Fuck that. This is this is bullshit. They don't know anything about anything about making uh, a community. The only people that have made communities in business do it very differently. What they do is, is they say, we like this spot for a nuclear reactor. Okay. The problem is with this spot is that no one lives there. So what we're going to do is we're going to build a nuclear reactor and then we're going to build a village on the side of it so that our workers can live there. So that when the workers come, they already have the job and they have the services. But they're not talking about that. They're talking about getting the people in first and then magically everything else appears. It's a completely different thing. And you can look it up. It works really, really well. Sometimes it doesn't work so well you know, with, with chemicals and all that sort of thing. But DuPont does it all the time. DuPont Paint Company, they build like a manufacturing plant and then they build a village on the outside. And all those people work at, at the plant, they get paid really, really well and there's loads of services. That's happened plenty of times. It's happened hundreds and hundreds of years. But this is different. This is like almost like a fucking human study that they want to do. Um, this, is, this is outrageous, I think. You know, this, this is so transparent to me. But they have got some marketing company to make it look like it's going to be some kind of they always do that thing don't they where they make it seem like it's some ooh new frontier futuristic thing you know the next will be like we're setting up a brand new fully sustainable moon landing moon you know service <laughs> that you can go and stay on the moon and we're going to have solar panels and there's going to be jobs and there's going to be like schools on the moon and it'll just, you know, the, don't you want to be the first one? You got to be the first yeah. one that gets in there for status, like the new right. iPhone. Don't you want a new right, iPhone right, right. 15? I, <laughs> and I see, I see no difference. I see no difference between, you know, having, oh, let's go live on the moon. It's going to be so cool than to have a satellite city that's just set up artificially in California. How is that any different from Dubai? Dubai is quite honestly the worst place I've ever visited. It is a shell of a place. It has no culture. It is shit. It is just a tourist place. And the only difference between Dubai and this place in California is at least Dubai gets like 50 degree summers and there's shitloads of rich people around driving Lamborghinis that look kind of cool and they've got a good water park. But that's about it. You know, is this California forever going to have a giant water park? Maybe. 
Well, what is are it going to end up looking like up? Disney? That, that's what I want to know. What are you, what are you going to, what, what sort of rights are you going to have to sign away in order to live in, in California forever? Of course, they're yeah. not bringing up any of this stuff. No, 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 of course. They don't want to tell you that suddenly, oh, uh, by the way, you know, we need to study what your health is like in yeah, the city. We, for, we you actually know, because... own all of, the, all of the health records from the local clinic. We, we actually own all of those. Or, or maybe even this, this isn't technically the United States. We bought this little self-contained area. So we decide the politics. We decide what your rights are. Uh, no guns. Yeah. You can't, can't bring any guns in here. Uh, no gas-powered cars. You, you, if you own an electric vehicle, you can drive it, but otherwise you're going to be walking and, and, and biking yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I, I see it as the world's largest HOA. That, that's how I see it. And they're yeah. just going to have unfettered access to all this sort of stuff. And they'll hide it too. They'll say, oh, well, because of the clean air you know, that we want to maintain here, we need to make sure that we keep up to date with, with you know, your health because we want to monitor it to make sure that our air quality corresponds with your health. And they'll plug that into their data and their systems. And you know, th then they'll come up with a fucking app. And they'll come out with an app that you can plot all your stuff on. And then suddenly someone from that place comes out and turns around with this business idea that then extends that app to everyone else in the US. And suddenly they're using this small city as a training model to apply to a massive business model that they can then sell to the rest of the public. This is fucked. And, and then Tech the sales people pitch, should not be fucking selling this, man. It's, it's, very, it's very alarming. When, like, with the, with, when you recognize the people that are involved, it's very alarming. And, and it you is, just and, know, like, they're, they're going to create an environment. I mean, they have to, right? In order to get this concept off the ground, they have to make it so desired. I mean, they, they, they have to make your situation in the city that you live in so untenable that you're begging yeah. to be on the waiting list to sign away all of your American rights to live in this California forever smart city or to live in the line in, in Saudi Arabia or to live in, you know, coming to Birmingham in, in the near future. Fucking hell. Please. I'd rather live in Birmingham with their, with their <laughs> low emission zone than I would in California forever, I'll tell you that much. But I mean, the only reason I think this theory about California forever is it's exactly what I would do. You know, I run an AI company and I would love nothing more than to have a subset of like, you know, 200,000 people where I could just study their movements and health and various other bits of data. I would do the exact same thing. I would do it. I, I would, would do too. It it's basically you know what I would money. do? You know what, what's, what's always, I mean, we'll just, we'll, we'll wrap it up on a positive note because uh, it, 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 it looks like dystopian the, the, the dystopian West is uh, alive and well, and, and we're, we're shooting towards it at the, the pace of a bullet train, which, by yeah, the yeah. way, California couldn't seem, has, has spent billions and billions of dollars trying to develop this bullet train that has just somehow not happened because I think, well, the politicians involved, as well as probably some mobbed up construction companies, have just been laundering all the taxpayer dollars to yeah, themselves. But um, what I've always wanted to do, what I've, what I've always been really curious about is how children would develop on their own out, out with, without the influence of like a public education system or even like 
their parents' values, almost like Lord of the Flies. I know they kind of wrote a, a book. Oh, like uh, in a vacuum almost. Yeah, like what, I mean, basically just to, to understand if there is really an innate sense of right and wrong, like an, ins, an uh, instinctual sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm hurting this person. Like if a child hurts another child, do they feel guilty because of the reality that they inflicted pain? Or do they feel guilty? D does, does your average everyday child feel guilty that they hurt another child because they've been taught it's not you, like you should feel bad for her. Like it's not okay to hurt another person. And that would be, that, I mean, that would be my 15 minute city. Build it, build a dome, you know, like the Simpsons movie. Uh, yeah. Clean air, everything that they want. No, no danger. Like, of course, there would have to be adults around monitoring the, the situation, but it would be yeah. like Star Trek. You know, they're not allowed to uh, influence. They're not allowed to affect the course of these, of these subjects. I mean, do you, do you think that there is, because I believe that human beings are generally good and that it's outside factors like poverty that push human beings to do terrible things that they wouldn't ordinarily do because, and I've, I've gone through my life. I've gone through the entire spectrum. I've been homeless for brief periods of time. And now I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm middle-class and being in a situation where you just don't have to worry when you go to the coffee shop, if the barista is going to hand your card back to you and say, oh, no, sorry, it's, it's not, it's declined, it's not working, is such an unbelievable reduction in just everyday anxiety and stress that it, it, it kind of throws a wrench in the entire concept of, of racism and systemic racism because the, the, the communities, like, and, and they always, you know, the, the mainstream media always throws out this statistic that poverty is, or, or that uh, systemic racism is the reason that these people uh, commit most of the crimes and have, you know, all, all of the cultural struggles that they have. And I say nay. I say it's yeah, because... Yeah, I say no as well. System systemic racism is just a, a fucking get-out-of-jail-free get out card um for people that haven't realized uh what year we're living in now well and i think I mean, the, yeah. the biggest i think the biggest problem that we have created in in our education institutions with just this sort of socialist marxist uh you know culture that we're trying to push out there is that it's it's teaching everyone whether you've come from these institutions or not it's teaching everyone that they don't really have to take responsibility for anything. So they can go rob San Francisco retail outlets until they have to close down. And then the social Marxism allows them to come up with an excuse to appease their own conscience for doing this kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, I... I rob like you you hear it in that San Francisco documentary by Channel 5 on YouTube. It's just a 
it's just a pack of undershirts. It's just a few things. I need to sell it so that I can make food. And, and no, oh, it's, it's just an insurance write-off for these companies. No big deal. It's not really hurting anybody. And this is the culture that is being used to drive everyone out of these major metropolitan areas and has created the willingness to give more of their rights and freedoms away to live in a place that's safe and healthy and actually cared for. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, we can talk about it more ne next week, but I, I think there's a lot of things that people think don't affect them, but I, in a roundabout way, it does end up affecting them. And I think one of the good things about this California forever thing is, is, um, I personally don't believe that this California Forever thing will, will gain any, any legs. Usually projects like that end up creating a bit of marketing buzz and then nothing ends up happening uh, from them. It's a little bit different with the 15-minute cities um, because it's something that's fairly easy for them to implement and is done from within the government. Uh, you know, their, their ability to affect change is vastly greater than even a few tech billionaires that want to create an entirely new civilization in the middle of fucking nowhere california so i do believe that <laughs> you know that the nice thing about it is that um those projects are so insanely difficult to get finished and it's not even a money thing you have to convince the people to go there and that's the hardest part not the money thing you have to convince people to actually go and live in a line or go and live in a completely tech smart city and leave where they currently are right now. And a lot of people that are fairly well off and uh, they would rather stay. <laughs> they would rather stay unless they feel that they really, really want to go and live in a smart city or something, which, I mean, there's an argument to be had about how many potential people there would be. But, but I do right. think that there's no demand for it right now. And that's why, yeah, that, yeah. I, that's why I think the, the homeless and the crime and just the general urban decay that is out of control is mm -hmm. by design in an effort to push people out of those cities. And I don't know, I'm not necessarily convinced that, they're, that these local governments are trying to force their citizens out of the cities and into places like California Forever and Mountain House, but I think at this point, it's kind of hard to deny that there is an effort to make people leave the cities. And it, there yeah, could I be th a Yeah, I think there's, def there's definitely an effort, in my opinion, for, for them to appear one way and not really care about the consequences. So, you know, that their ultimate, you know, goal, you know, of, of raising that limit of small stolen goods to $950 is a PR move and they didn't really give a shit about how that affected any of their services downstream or even their residents downstream um, but you know they get to have their five minutes of fame by saying that we've done something really revolutionary for the for the um, for the local community and then they get to put that on their CV and their LinkedIn and when they move up in the party they have that to look back on and it doesn't matter that San Francisco is a complete shithole now because San Francisco could rely historically on the fact that many tech companies and many people that worked in tech companies and earned a shitload of money were working there. So they would support all the local businesses and, you know, pay the obscene rents and pay for the obscene prices of, of apartments. And that's gone away. So now you've got uh, a situation where the only people that are left 
are those people that were e e either hounded out by, because you had it the other way. Remember, people f forget about this, but you had it the other way. The people that existed in San Francisco before this tech bubble, you know, came in, they have been hounded out to other places by these richer people coming in. They could no longer, they, maybe your parents were born in San Francisco, let's say. Right. And they lived there and you go to school or university and you come out and you're looking for a job and you realize you cannot live in San Francisco. It's too expensive. You yeah. have to leave. And now that's happening in the opposite way. So you have to accept both both ways. Um, so, and there's an argument to be said whether people will prefer to go live in a smart city like California forever. I somewhat disagree with that because I think if people are going to move from somewhere like San Francisco, they'd probably move to a different state altogether. Um, actually, to be fair, if you had something like Texas forever, that actually might have more legs than something like California forever. Because I think oh, one of the bro. problems of California forever is the fact that it's in California. Um, yeah, that, but, but maybe, that even, yeah. That, that strengthens the argument for a different set of politics right. within the, the, like, the government of California. If yeah. people work, because you're 100% right, people are fleeing the politics of California and New York, and they're going to places like Texas yeah. and Florida. Yeah. If these billionaires build this smart city and they can, can, they can lure you know, potential citizens there with the promise of better politics, like, ah, oh, you get the politics and politics of Texas right here in this little California forever. Doesn't that sound great? It's, it's another, it'd be another good sales pitch. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be the ideal sales pitch. I think they would really win some people over, you know, people have jobs. You know, if you look at unemployment, it's extremely low. Well, so there's people also, do have jobs. I mean, a, a bunch of people still live in California. So they're, right, they're right, obviously right. still, they're, they're, they're either fine or ignorant of what the politics in, in the region is doing to their life. But there's still plenty of people happy to just sort of ignore politics and, yeah, and yeah, go yeah. along with, with whatever, you know, just life as usual. Yes. Yeah, so if, if you said someone, live, you can live in California with a California lifestyle, but with less taxes and less bureaucracy, I mean, fucking hell. <laughs> and all you have to do is sign away some of your rights and the rights to all of your data and you can get back Amen. to, you know, the Super Bowl and your video games. To be fair, I think I think people would buy that. To be fair, they I think would. people would buy that. But it, unfortunately, what they have forgotten is um, actually getting any anyone that's good at city planning to come in and and do that. They're just going to do it on their own as tech billionaires, and I think that's a massive mistake because I don't believe that people like me or other tech people have anything um, qualified enough to make a city. Sure, we can make a smart city. You know, but I don't know about you, but everything smart that I've ever seen is infinitely dumber than what yes. their marketing, uh, you know, <laughs> claims for it to be, you know, like smart billboards and all it is is just a fucking TV inside of a box rather than having a paper poster in there. And you just think, well, what is the point of this? I was just thinking about that yesterday. How stupid all of the smart tech that, that we have. Yeah, it's dumb as fuck. Actually is. <laughs> yeah 
So all you're, you're basically what you're doing is you're creating a city just like any other city, by the way, which is why I say we already have good cities. Okay, our population isn't growing crazily enough that we need a brand new city straight away. Let's fucking build another Dubai. It's not like that in the Western world. You know, our replacement rate is shit. So we just need to make our cities better. And we can do it. We can make smart cities with the cities that we have. We can, you know, a, a really good example of that, which is not nothing super controversial, is just let's do a lot of deals with local local governments and um landlords to put 5g base stations on the top of like you know buildings and then you don't have to have a, a city-wide wi-fi network you can have a city-wide 5g network or 4g network which actually has better mobile service and, and people can conduct business in, a, in an easier way and you don't have all the overheads of putting cables in the fucking ground and dealing with the wi-fi and fucking having to upgrade that every you know five years that's like a that's that makes your city way smarter and it actually offers something to your constituents because remember we actually have to offer value to people that pay taxes i know a lot of governments have forgotten about that but we actually have to <laughs> offer value to people <laughs> for what they pay for so you know because one of the, my biggest gripes with a lot of cities here in the uk is you go to them you turn on your mobile data and it's just shit yeah. i mean really it is fucked you try and go somewhere where there's more than like 300 people and it's like yeah you can't fucking use it i gotta go into a coffee shop and i, I gotta i gotta log on and that's because the local councils don't have any working relationship with the building owners where they could just put a little tiny tower. It's tiny. You wouldn't even notice it on top of the buildings and that, and that covers, you know, whatever, like a, a 10 acre area or something in, in that city and that solves that problem. And that's infinitely better, that idea. You can have that for free, whatever city, you know, is listening right now. You can have that one for free. Please do it. And that's way better than fucking going out and saying, oh, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to have maglev trains that are going to come up to your house and, you know, we're going to have like robots running around. There's all this like big brain idea, like we're going to reinvent the way you cook. It's like, no, but we're going to. The best point to take here, I think, is that you're 100% right. We could be doing all of these things on a much larger scale. So the question must be to end this podcast. Oh, yeah. Here it comes. Why would they do California forever when they proved in San Francisco just a few months ago that they're perfectly capable of cleaning things up to impress Emperor, Emperor Xi of China, just not willing to do that? It, it's, it's, it's the willingness is is mm. the point that you touched on we're not willing to do it where we have it already where we need yeah, to exactly. be doing it yeah 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 why and not I, and i revert yeah i revert back to you know my angry rant which is that you know these these billionaires and and, and tech influential people they realize that um in order to have a place which they can study, you know, it has to be brand new where all these sensors and all these practices are built in from the ground up. You know, trying to study San Francisco in some kind of machine learning or artificial model or something like that is going to be, you know, cost prohibitive. It, it's too old. It's, you know, you, you can't get the infrastructure in there to do that. So um, I do believe that they want to create like a, a giant study group of people. And the only way you can do that is by starting from, you know, the ground up. I think that's why they want to do it that way for the ultimate control over the data and the people. And I've suspected for a long time that the age of government is ending. 
And I think we kind of see that across the Western world because the government is, has been failing so badly for a decade yeah, or more. Yeah, really, really badly. Yeah. That we're entering this, the new age of sort of a corporate takeover. And, and not, I mean, I don't think it's going to be good, but I'm not trying to frame it in, in a negative light. It's just the government has shown themselves to be corrupt and useless. Yeah. And, you know, I... I think Steve Jobs was a good guy. I mean, I, in, in, his, in his motivations, I mean, I've, I really have heard that he was an asshole, but his wife is, I, I think, trying to sort of carry on his legacy and, and, and do great things and, and make an impact on, on humanity and better the human race. So I think in, in some ways, the corporations taking responsibility for the people who's, you know, who they want to employ and who want to buy their products. It makes sense. But I also feel like government yeah. should function if we're going to have government that takes thousands of dollars in taxes from us every year. Oh, of course. They should and I, be... I, I And I think the, the, the collapse of the government in the Western world is an incredibly scary thing to me uh, because really we should be working on making the government that we have function as as good as possible to have something that's completely reformative and to have a government so bad that people could even consider to doing something else like you know abdicating from that system and trying to go off on their own and do something that is something that's so disruptive to a country that i can't even begin to understand you know, the ramifications of that, it is much better for us to look at the institutions that we have and say, look, we're going to change this from the inside. Um, because it's, you know, for, for a good example is like, you know, us uh, leaving the EU and how like, you know, now we have no control over the, over the EU and their decisions. And it would be the same thing, you know, in the US, you know, an entire state leaves the US and suddenly they're left on their own with almost no support from the, from the federal government. And there's, you know, upsides, I'm sure to that. But if people believe that the situation is so bad that they are genuinely considering, you know, a, a, a second option to that, then that is super, super dangerous and super bad. I, I think, honestly, we should be shoring up our existing institutions, making them better, making them more transparent. If, for a good example, like, do you think it's a good idea to continue down the road we're going by making elections more annoying and less uh, transparent and more uh subjective with their outcomes um <laughs> that seems like a, a a deadly path because the ultimate thing is when no one believes in that so then states start having their own elections and their own outcomes and then that's further chaos how is a com how is a country going to grow how are you going to offer stability to your constituents how are you going to offer stability in business and therefore if there's no stability in business how are you going to offer you know employment to the to your constituents it is uh, it is a rickety path than you know coming together trying to you know, build bridges between people and going, right, we're going to fucking sort this out. We're going to open an, you know, independent inquiry. 
which are, which is going to be in independent that looks over the electoral process and completely vets it front to back. We're going to create brand new shit that's going to come in, you know, a system that's going to be in. We're going to go back to paper ballots, whatever it fucking takes to bring a public perception back into favor across across the majority of the public. That is going to be an infinitely better outcome than going down the current path where we just, you know, continuously perpetuate this nature of like chaos and further distrust between people. It, it never ends up it, it, with, a, with a win for anyone other than the people that stand to benefit the most, like the tech giants, like these corporate overlords that stand to clean up the mess and, you know, obviously profit from the impending fallout. Massively, massively. And that's, and I think it almost it creates this impression that these massive corporations and, and the big tech billionaires have identified, wait a minute, these, these politicians don't care about these people. They don't care about the decay of their, their country and their, their no. urban areas, but we still need these people. We still need them to be gainfully employed we, so that they can buy the products that we're selling and we still need people that aren't strung out on heroin and fentanyl to come to work for us. And you guys aren't doing anything about it. Like we, we paid all of these millions and billions into your campaigns and you're, you're screwing us. You're, you're, you're filling your own pockets. And I know it's, it's a morass of corruption, but it's, it feels like the corporations have identified that if it's, it's the, the cliche, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And that's yeah, the direction we're moving in. But when yeah. you move it, into one the of wrong, these, wrong way. When, when you move into one of these smart cities, it's going to be, I mean, I bet you a hundred bucks. It's going to be a sign your rights away. Like, okay, we're going to take care of you. You're going to be safe. You're going to be fed. You're going to be sheltered. But say goodbye to the constitution. Say goodbye to your Bill of Rights. Say goodbye to international courts. Say goodbye to all of that stuff. But here's, here's the contract. We promise to do this and you promise to do that. Is that not agreeable? Is this not a better situation than you have in San Francisco right now? All right. Well, if it is, sign on the dotted line. If it's not, enjoy the piles of shit on your sidewalks. Visit Vox404.com. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and share, 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 share. Be part of the movement that is blowing up this podcast. Follow us on X, FKA Twitter. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And I finally coming around <laughs> to calling it X at EarthVox for the podcast at 404 missing underscore link for my co-host. And if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, and or join our Discord server, send an email to therealearthvox at protonmail.com. Yeah, we would love to have you, and it's been great to uh, have a somewhat heated conversation today around a few issues. Um, great show. I'm looking, for, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week uh, being a little bit more muted, and hopefully nothing pisses me off too badly, and hopefully I don't get any more fines. Uh, but uh, maybe that benefits you guys more because then I have more shit to talk about. But, I hope uh, you stay pissed off, but but no yeah. fines. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, the next thing you can do is, is uh, yeah, after checking out our socials, of course, is going to the previous episode, which is another really, really strong one, which, uh, you know, we ran out of time talking about all the stuff around Brexit and all that sort of stuff. But it's a really, really solid one. And uh, yeah, so I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. 